Whoever is listening, guys, welcome back. My name is Grayson Mann, and welcome back to another episode of the Man with a Plan podcast. Today, this is an exciting thing, guys. So if you didn't know, my high school, I graduated from Pinewood Preparatory School down in Somerville, South Carolina. And today we have the new leading man for Pinewood football who just made the semifinals last year in ski in the skis of three, four, a playoffs. Devontae Holloman, former Gamecock, former Dallas Cowboy, now taking charge at Pinewood. We're super excited to have you, man. And not only that, super excited to have you on this podcast. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you for taking the time. I appreciate you having me. I'm excited about it. I'm excited to be at Pinewood and, uh, you know, excited about this opportunity. Absolutely, man. So we're just going to go from the jump. We're going to go from your football career. We're going to talk about USC, your time as a Gamecock, your time in the NFL, and then we'll talk a lot about Pinewood, I'm sure. So usually with these these type of guests, I always want to ask, where did you get your start in football? Was it somebody, was it a practice? Was it maybe you were playing out in the yard and you're like, man, this is this is really something? Or was it a coach, maybe a player? So through that start, what was that like? Take us through that journey. Um, actually, man, I was scared to play football for a long time. Uh, didn't really start until about 10, 11 years old. Um, I had... Uh, maybe tried it out at 10 years old, but it, it really didn't go well. Um, found another team um, led by Coach John Jeffries, um, a guy who really sparked my interest and, uh, you know, made my love for football um, appear, um, not really grow, but he, he really instilled it in me. Um, so about 11 years old on, you know, football was kind of my passion along with basketball and um, about 10th grade is when I started receiving offers and things in football. And that's where football kind of took the, the main stage. So for you, I, and we, we can get into this and talk about your, your commitment to USC or we talked, there's a little bit of a snippet that I found about your decommitment from Clemson. But I think before we get into that, what is the difference? And I think today, I think college football players before NIL have such a unique perspective on recruiting and how that process goes to you, how much has it evolved? And when you look at it, are you fascinated by how it's changed? Or do you think college football is kind of straight away from what it, I, I guess, how what, what made it unique in the first place? Take us through that recruiting process. You can touch on the Clemson thing if you want to and talk about USC, why you chose that. But I think also what's fascinating is the time frame that you committed in and you can compare it to now how different college football is. Um, I get asked a lot, especially by Clemson people, about, um, you know, my, my commitment to Clemson for a short period of time. I think it was maybe my 10th grade or 11th grade year where I was committed to Clemson, and I was a highly recruited player out of high school. And my my head coach in high school at the time was just, you know, me as well, kind of overwhelmed with the amount of schools and phone calls coming by every day. Um, and it just got to a point where he was like, you know, I think you need to make a decision just to calm this down so you can focus on the season. And at the time, I was, you know, really in love with Clemson. I had been a couple of times. I was recruited by Billy Napier, who's the head coach at Florida. Um, really, really loved him. Um, and, you know, it was just it just felt right at the time. Um, so I made that commitment. And then um, I think at the end of that season, uh, Bobby Bowden uh, was fired. Um, and that, that kind of made me open my recruitment up just a little bit more, uh, you know, op open my recruitment back up. And, um, after taking a couple of visits, um, just during the time period, that was when the SEC was dominating. And, you know, one of my goals was to go play with and against the best. So, um, I started moving in that direction and that's what kind of led to my, you know, decommitment and then commitment to the university of South Carolina, wanting to stay close to home, 
um, had a chance to play early. Um, you know, all of those things kind of went into my decision uh, of making that decision. But um, in terms of recruitment and how it's changed, um, I think it's definitely changed for the better in terms of a player standpoint. Now, it, it makes life hard for the coaches, um, you know, but if you're an actual current player in NCAA, I think that recruitment, you know, really, really helps you. Now, it hurts the high school kids with the transfer portal and things like that. Um, but, you know, I really, really love what's happening in terms of NIL, those things, um, just, you know, taking care of the players, um, the players having a little bit more power, um, you know, things like that um, as well. So recruitment is, has definitely take a, taken a, a huge turn since I've been recruited. Um, and I think we're still in a day and age now where it's kind of like the Wild West. Everybody's still trying different things, trying to figure out what works best for each school. Um, I do commend Coach Beamer, um, Chance Miller, um, you know, those guys for the plans that are in place at South Carolina to take care of the players. Um, not only just, you know, the scholarship players, but as well as the walk-on players, um, you know, outside of football, just, you know, because a lot of the time commitments to football, to school, you know, it really doesn't allow you much time for a job. Um, again, speaking from personal experience, my junior and senior year, I actually worked at Firehouse Subs on campus um, at nighttime, just trying to, you know, earn a little extra money. And, you know, that, that became another thing that was on my plate. Um, you know, but, you know, in the times that they're in now, they can take care, better care of the players and they will allow the players to hopefully focus on school and football more. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think that you hit on a lot of the great points where the players do have a lot of power and that their future is they can start to earn some money. And you, you see, like in the Clemson world, you have Kate Klubnik who's signing deals with these local places like Ford and being able to make that extra money and be able to have that as an asset and be able to use their talents to really because the NFL is not a reality for everybody. And um, if you can capitalize on that skill and that ability in that four year stretch, got to be able to do that. And so for you as a coach, when you talk to these high school players and you have people having to deal with recruitment, having to deal with, oh, where's the best place where I can maximize my my money making in a sense? What's the best advice you could give to a high school right now who's dealing with that stuff, who might be feeling overwhelmed, might be saying, hey, if I go here, I may not be able to earn as much or be able to play as much. And that's a lot of pressure. So what do you say to those those kids who are making those decisions right now? Uh, I always tell them to, you know, go to pick somewhere that you can see yourself going to school, whether you're playing a sport or not. Um, you know, also pick somewhere um, where you can see or, you know, that has good connections in terms of where you want to live and things like that. Um, cause just, just because most people um, end up living in the area where they went to school, just, be, you know, based off a of connection standpoint. But, um, you know, the on the field stuff um, and, and off the field stuff, I just tell them to pick a school that they can see themselves at, um, whether they were playing sports or not. Um, let the rest handle itself. Um, anywhere you go in the country, you're going to have to compete. Um, so, you know, playing, you know, saying I can go play here, I can go play there. Well, you, you're going to have to earn it either way. So I don't really talk about playing time or things like that. Um, you know, just really, truly, see, you know, making sure you pick a school that has your major, um, making sure you see yourself being there for four years, whether you're playing a sport or not. And then also thinking about life after college, the connections, the people that you meet and things like that um, in general, you know, terms of area. Uh, that you want to be in. Those are the things that I really talk to school, uh, the kids about when it comes to recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. So for your time at South Carolina, now Clemson fans that are listening to this podcast, just just brace through it. It's going to be okay. But this period that you were at South Carolina, I, I got to say it's probably one of the best eras, These this four-year stretch that you were with Steve Spurrier, 
dominance against Clemson, SEC East title. Jadavion Clowney is a big name that pops up. You guys had a lot of success at your time at Carolina. Can you walk us through your career at South Carolina? What made it special? And just some tidbits here and there that you want to maybe share with the audience. Because I think personally, as a football fan, you take the Clemson part away from it, the Clemson student part. What Spurrier was able to do in in an SEC that was dominated by Alabama. Georgia was really great at the time with Mark Richt. You had Urban Meyer in Florida with uh, still in that conversation. What made it about South Carolina that was a special place at that time? Um, I think it's no secret. Um, there's a lot of good players in the state of South Carolina. Um, if you can win majority of those guys, keep them together in state, um, your, your chances of winning are pretty high. Um, you know, along with some of the guys that we picked up from North Carolina, um, Georgia, um, you know, Florida, you know, if you, you know, if you start with South Carolina, win the state and recruiting, I think it goes a long way um, just in terms of football. So, you know, uh, you have myself, um, Stefan Gilmore, Alshon Jeffrey all come out of the same class. Uh, the following year it was Lattimore um, and, and, you know, his crew. And the year after that, it was Clowney and his crew. So you kind of see, um, you know, the big pieces, of course, you know, uh, started. Um, and then, you know, the other players in South Carolina kind of stay home. And um, it was just special to, you know, be at home, um, you know, play with those guys, um, represent not only for our university, but for the state of South Carolina. Um, I think you end up with like three missed footballs in a row at, at the University of South Carolina, um, along with, again, like I said, Melvin Ingram, who was a uh, really, really one of the top players in North Carolina, who was already there when I got there. Um, Cliff Matthews, I think, won Mr. Football a year before I got there. So, you know, wow. you, you put together wow. a string of maybe four or five Mr. Footballs from the state of South Carolina, along with some other talent. And that's, you know, kind of what set us apart. And, and you see that happening again here in South Carolina now where we're, um, you know, really pushing and, and, and getting the guys that we want from the state. Um, you know, Clemson's done it as well over a period of time, too. So, you know, I, I think that's really where it starts. Um, and then finding those other pieces outside the state. So winning the state in the recruiting battle um, is definitely important. And I know Coach Beamer and Coach Dabo uh, or Coach Sweeney um, are, are trying to do those things year in and year out. Absolutely. So I, I want to take you through your freshman year. So I believe it was 2009, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? So is that mm-hmm. the year that South Carolina had Alabama at home? And that's the Alshon Jeffrey game where he went ballistic. Is that that year or is it 2010? So no, my, my freshman year was probably the worst out of the four that I've okay. had. I think we, we we did make a bowl game. We went to the Papa John's Bowl and lost to UConn. Um, you know that we did beat a, a number four uh, Ole Miss team, so it wasn't like a terrible season. You know we had yeah. some some big games, and actually the Ole Miss game was the night the Sandstorm was was born. Um, so I was there for that, but um, it was after the bowl game at UConn where, you know, a lot of the players just kind of sat down. We all came from winning high schools and just weren't used to losing. You know, me, myself, I really wasn't used to, used to losing um, because I think I only lost three games in my high school career football-wise. So, um, you know, a lot of those guys, a lot of us came together and just, you know, decided that we were going to do whatever it took to, to, to not let this happen again. Um, so you saw guys kind of stay in May uh, through the summer. Guys were showing up on days that they really didn't have to, um, really working for it and wanting it. Um, and we made it happen. I think that following year we won um, maybe nine games. And then the the my last two seasons, we were able to win 11 games. So um, we took a step forward every year. 
Um, but, you know, like I said, after that first year, we just we knew that wasn't the standard that we wanted. Um, and we really came together, put the work in to uh, put South Carolina uh, on, on the map like we did. Yeah. And you mentioned all that NFL talent that you guys had. What was it like to be able to play with those guys and be able to say, hey, I'm like you said earlier in your recruitment, I want to be able to play with the best of the best. Looking at it now and you have guys that are still in the league at this point. What is that like when you reflect and go, man, I was able to play with that amount of talent. How did that make you better as a player? Uh, practice was competitive every day. Um, you know, it was almost like you didn't want anybody to one up you in practice. You had to be at your best every day in practice. Um, you know, being challenged by the offense and, you know, our offense knew if they could move the ball on us, they could move the ball on anybody. And then defensively, we felt the same way. You know, if we could stop our offense, we could stop anybody. You know, if you could tackle Marcus Lattimore, you could tackle anybody. So, um, you know, the iron sharpens iron. And that was the approach that we took every day, not only from a player standpoint, but from a coach's standpoint. Um, coach Spurrier did a good job of driving that competition, but also taking care of the players um, in terms of our bodies and things like that. You know, Spurrier is probably one of the best player coaches that I played for um, in the sense of just taking care of your players. But, um, you know, it was just a, a really good time for us to learn how to compete and it, it really, really prepared us for the next level. So that's why you saw so many of those guys um, go on, get drafted, or, or, you know, whatever route that they took to the NFL and have careers in the NFL. Absolutely. Yeah, you mentioned Steve Spurrier is just that great players coach. I hear some stories from colleagues in the media that are talking about when they, early back then in their in their careers, when they were having to interview Steve Spurrier after a Clemson-Carolina game and just getting these legendary just sound bites, these moments. To you, do you have a Steve Spurrier moment like that where you're just like, wow, this guy is truly – exactly who he is he's a legend of college football is there a Steve Spurrier moment for you that just sticks in your mind uh I don't necessarily have one moment you know um a guy like that who's played and and done the things that he's done you really truly hang on to every word that he says um but it's really truly his delivery that you know may that that may make one talk bigger than the other so I I do remember maybe it was after my freshman year we lost to Arkansas at home and he made the whole team come in and watch film together and that, that, you know, he really held everybody accountable offensively and defensively for everything that we did, you know, from the quarterback to the, the long snapper to the kicker, you know, everybody was held accountable in that meeting. Um, and it just showed that, you know, he's not going to say one thing in front of, you know, coaches or other players that he wouldn't say in front of the whole team. And, and that just kind of, you know, is, is one moment that stuck out in my mind. Like I said, I'm pretty sure it was my freshman year. And we never wanted to have a meeting like that again because it was rough. But, um, you know, it kind of set the tone of who he was and what he expected from everybody on the team during that season. Yeah, I've heard fantastic stories about him. And I think that it's just fascinating to be able to hear the player's perspective from that angle. So I want to quickly touch on your NFL career, and then we're going to get into your, your coaching career and lead it up to the decision for Pinewood. So for you, you had a quick NFL career with the Dallas Cowboys. So can you take us through that draft day process Realizing, hey, I'm playing for what many view as America's team, playing for playing under Jerry Jones. At that time, it was Jason Garrett, Tony Romo. I think 2014, you were on that roster, and they ended up getting to the divisional round of the playoffs. Can you walk us through your NFL career? What was, what was it like playing for America's team from a player's perspective? Because it's you, you hear all that talk about the Dallas Cowboys, but I think to hear it from a player who's been there and experienced that, what is that like? Uh, the, my, my draft experience was stressful, to say the least, um, you know, just not knowing and then 
you know, I was a late round pick, the waiting, um, you know, but when I finally got the phone call from Jerry, it was like a, a dream come true. Um, and, you know, a week later I was off to Dallas. Um, you know, actually I was, I was, I trained in Dallas, so it worked out perfect um, to where I, I was already kind of there. Um, and, you know, playing for da the Cowboys was an opportunity of a lifetime. I'm, I'm forever thankful and, you know, a Cowboys fan to the day I die for that opportunity. But, um, it was great um, to be coached by some legends. Um, you know, Jason Garrett was the head coach. Monty Kiffin was actually the defense coordinator at the time. So um, just to learn from those guys who have been there, seen it all, coached some of the best players. Um, and, you know, it, it's crazy to film uh, catalogs that they, they dig into to show you the defenses. So I was watching the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Derrick Brooks, um, you know, those guys. Um, you know, on film, trying to emulate those things and, um, you know, really felt myself uh, get better in a, in a short span, um, you know, under those guys and, you know, the Dallas Cowboys in general, man, it's just it's such a huge, everything is such a huge deal. Um, you know, media is constantly looking for a story. Um, you know, I don't want to call it a circus because that seems like a bad term, but, you know, but it's just the spotlight is always on the Cowboys and, you know, you kind of sort of get used to it and enjoy it a little bit, but, um, at the same time, you know, you're very weary of it. But, um, you know, it was a great experience for me um, to live out my dreams and, and be a Dallas Cowboy. Is there a moment in your NFL career that sticks with you? Or maybe it's a play, a practice, maybe it's a game where it, maybe you had a welcome to the NFL moment. You're just like, holy, oh, my gosh, like this is really, this um, is truly it. Is there a moment for you? Maybe it's a, how positive or a negative? Yeah, it was when I, you know, really, truly made the team, um, you know, we, we started going, getting ready for preseason and, you know, um, I found myself out there, you know, with DeMarcus Ware lined up on my right, Anthony Spencer, you know, lined up on my left, uh, I'm learning under Sean Lee, who was, the, you know, the starter at that time, um, had guys, you know, trying to teach me really, really fast because I made a transition from safety to linebacker, so Bruce Carter, um, Justin Durant, um, you know, just all of these names that you you see on TV all the time. And then uh, you get to practice and you're literally going against Jayton, Jason Witten, a, a future Hall of Famer every day, um, you know, listening to Tony Romo and his football mind, which is brilliant. Um, I think that was kind of like my welcome to the NFL moment, along with um, Dez Bryant, the intensity that he brought to practice every single day. Um, and every drill, like that was, you know, an experience in its own and, and something that I carry with me in the, in the coaching world, that competitiveness, um, you know, the things that I learned and saw um, to this day. Is there a rep against an NFL player? Like you mentioned, Jason Witten, that you got, you got one of them. Maybe you had a pass deflection against Tony Romo or something like that, where you look at it now and you're like, man, I can't, I still can't believe I did that. Uh, you know, I, I look back at my NFL experience as a whole that way, um, you know, no, no one play. Um, but I will say, uh, you know, as a rookie, uh, I don't know what it was, but J uh, Jason Witten really gave me all I could handle every day. Um, I don't know if it was him trying to prepare me for, you know, Mondays, Sundays and Thursdays, but, um, you know, we competed every day really, really tough. Um, and, you know, maybe got into a scuffle or two, just, you know, football scuffle. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, I know what he was trying to do. He, he was, you know, he was counting on me. He was trying to prepare me for, you know, what I was getting ready to face as a rookie. Yeah, absolutely. So we talk about your coaching career and uh, at, well, doing the research. So you started as a video analyst under Steve Spurrier and you're able to also work under Shane Beamer. So to walk us through the from the then to the now 
where did you grow the most as a coach? And where do you, how do you feel like working with guys like Beamer, guys like Spurrier helped mold you into the coach that you are today? Well, when I was done uh, playing with the Cowboys, I immediately called Coach Spurry and asked if I could get into coaching because I knew I didn't want to be away from football completely. Um, so I did a year, um, like you said, as a GA video analyst kind of sort of deal. Um, and that really, really, you know, made me love the coaching side of things. And, I, you know, that was probably the year that I learned the most about football in terms of X's and O's and planning uh, for practices and things like that and why coaches did some of the things that they did. And, um, I think uh, after that year with Spurrier was actually the year that he left. Um, so I kind of left as well um, and looked into the high school world. And I joined uh, Buford High School down in Buford, South Carolina. Um, I was just a DB coach for a year. Um, and that's really where I found like the, the pure love for coaching. I think high school level is like the purest form of football just because of this, you know, hopefully for most schools, it's less politics. You know, kids are really hungry, trying to make it to the next level. Um, so I, I quickly climbed the ladder in Buford. Uh, I was a DB coach one, the, my first year and the defense coordinator the next two years. Um, and then head coach uh, my last year at Buford. And uh, really enjoyed those years and grew a lot as a coach. Um, learned from some older coaches that taught me the ropes about coaching high school. Um, and then after I left Buford in 2018, I went to South Point High School where I graduated from. Um, and if you know anything about that, man, it's, it's, it's high expectation, you know, in terms of football. You know, it's almost like state championship or bust. Um, so we, I, I didn't win it my first two years, but was able to win it my last season with um, a great group of co coaches, great group of guys. Um, and then from there, I got the call from Shane Beamer, um, who... Um, you know, was really trying really, really hard to get former players on staff um, and really, you know, show the the incoming players or players that were there now the the, the culture and the meaning of being a Gamecock. Um, and I, I want to say, like, I, I can't pick between Coach Spurry and Coach Beamer, who I learned the most from, um, just because it was two different times in college football. You know, mm -hmm. Coach, Coach Spurry was, you know, almost living in the old college football world where, you know, I like to say things were a lot more simpler. Um, uh, I'm not going to say easier, but a lot simpler. Um, you know, the things that I've learned from Coach Beamer is trying to manage a team and coaches in this craziness of college football right now with NIL transfer portals and things constantly changing. I, I think he does a good job of coaching his coaches on how to deal with these situations and then also putting the right people in place. Um, you know, to, to, to better his program and, and to try to get everybody on one accord in, in terms of his vision for a program. So, you know, I picked up a lot of different things. I'll say from Spurrier, being a player's coach, um, how to handle players. And then from Beamer, uh, I really learned how to handle coaches, how to handle everybody within the organization and trying to get them on one accord, um, which, you know, is what I'm essentially doing here now as the head coach at Pinewood. So, yeah, I, I, that's fantastic. I think that high school sports, like you said, it is pure. And it is that in that sense, I think one of the great things that I enjoy watching high school football, I love going to practices and just kind of seeing that next generation in a sense. So for you, mm -hmm. what led to the decision to come back to high school football and be the leading man at Pinewood and just take us through that hiring process? What was it about Pinewood that sold you and saying, hey, I can be the guy to chart a new course for this program? Well, you know, uh, after spending a year at the college level, it was somewhere where I really, really wanted to be, um, you know, but I really, truly missed being a head coach, um, you know, having an impact on, you know, not just 
um, you know, defense or offense, but having an impact on a whole team, a whole community. Um, those are the things that I really, really missed while I was at the college level. Um, and when I came to visit Pinewood, um, our head of school, Dan Side, did a, did a great job. And I really loved him or loved him as a person and his vision for this place and what it can be. Um, you know, uh, it's, it's a high academic school, um, but, you know, he's really passionate about making the athletics match the academics. So, um, you know, we were in the works or, or it just finished, but built a, a brand new athletic facility, turf field, um, with all the bells and whistles that a college program will have. Um, and then we talked about some things going forward, the vision, you know, his vision, my vision, things that we needed. And, um, you know, we already have, you know, more than enough things that, uh, you know, can prepare us for uh, where I want the program to be, but just, in t you know, in, in our talks, things that we can do uh, and get even more to prepare ourselves. So um, I think the, vi the vision is lined up, you know, really, really well. Personalities lined up really, really well. And um, after touring of the campus, just seeing the students, the people, um, and how real everything was here at Pinewood, it's just a totally different feel from the public schools that I've been to. Um, a lot more focus from the kids, a lot more focus from the adults. And um, you know, it was somewhere that I could see my kids going to school and, and uh, you know, see myself being and representing. So that's ultimately what led me to this decision. It's fantastic to hear, especially as a someone who used to attend Pinewood. It's a great new direction. So for you in this first uh, these first couple of weeks, I know spring ball has just started and that's a, always an exciting time, especially for high school. What's the general vibe from the team? I don't want to have you don't have to give any secrets away or anything like that but uh what is the general uh consensus so far it's a team that i've watched grow up before my eyes and i'm really excited to see where they take this new season what's been the first couple of days of practice like uh, i think we have some really good senior leadership um uh, a group of seniors that um you know really love not only football but love their school um and, and want to set the tone for for me going forward in terms of football Along with that, uh, I think we have a, really, a lot of really good young talent, a lot of freshmen that played varsity last year that are going to have to grow up even faster and become sophomores and leaders this season. Um, you know, so with the senior leadership that we have, the young talent that we have, um, I think it's a recipe for a really good football season. And uh, I've been enjoying it so far, getting to know the guys, getting to learn the players, um, as well as the coaches, um, a really good coaching staff, a lot of guys who really truly care and and share the visions and, and uh, what's the word I'm looking for, share the, the, the values that I have as a head coach, um, which makes my job a lot easier. So, uh, so far, so good. You know, still a lot of work to do, but um, I'm excited about what, what this team can do this season. Fantastic. So just the final question, do we want to be able to send a message and be able to leave on a great note? To the fans, alums, and people that are really excited and hearing the news, giving, oh, about Holloman, excited about that. What is your message to people that are, what should they expect in the fall? What is your message? What should they expect from Devontae Holloman? Um, you know, it's not, I'm not a one-man crew. You know, it's a, it's a team, um, but I will say the teams that I've coached always play super, super hard um, until the clock's zero zero, no matter what the score is. Um, and that's something that, you know, when I watched the tape from last season that Pinewood has been doing, um, and, you know, just hopefully continue to move the program in the right direction. We were six and six last season and, you know, which is a step forward. We're able to make the playoffs and I hope to continue to push the program forward in a lot of different ways on the field and off the field. Um, and, you know, of course, my goal personally, and I'm sure everybody else, uh, at least at the beginning of the season is to win the state championship. But 
we'll take it one game at a time and uh, one practice at a time, and that's what we're doing now through the spring. Absolutely, man. So this will be this is episode 121 of the Name of the Plan podcast with head coach Devontae Holloman of the Pinewood Prep Panthers. Guys, thank you so much for watching, and thank you so much, guys, for all the support you put on our last podcast with Clemson Rivals writer Larry Williams. Guys, we're trying to reach 20,000 listeners across all of our platforms this summer. It's going to be a goal that we're going to reach super quickly, and we're very close to it. Guys, thank you so much, as always, for the support. Have a fantastic day, and take care.